Hello, welcome back to Country Roads Confidential here at earsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. You've heard this before, but West Virginia has lost at Kansas. 0-8, that was only mentioned roughly four or five hundred times during the game. And this one, no easier to accept than any of the other ones beforehand. West Virginia has a 10-point lead late in the first half, wobbles in the locker room, and then the home team takes control and eventually rest control away in the second half. Final score, 60-53. to 53. Second loss of the year for West Virginia. First game in Big 12 play. And to kick off, eh, maybe I should change the vernacular here, to tip off our basketball postgame podcasting, I'm here to discuss it with Chris Anderson. And we get along on Twitter, Chris. <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, no... Uh open fighting on social media in front of everybody, but I got some digs for you, so be careful. Well, I'm never one to take the high road, so I will not bid you adieu. (laughs) Let's start there before we get ourselves in trouble. The common talking point when it comes to games against Kansas at Fog Allen Fieldhouse, and especially involving West Virginia, it seems, is the disparity in fouls and free throws. Final numbers today are respectable, I think. Uh, 18 fouls against West Virginia, 19 against Kansas, 22 foul shots for West Virginia, 30 for Kansas. Gets away a little bit there on the free throw disparity at the end because Kansas was getting fouled late in the game. Um, So all in all, pretty even. I am a bad judge of this because I tend to pay attention to the players and the coaches way more than the officials. If it's egregious, I might understand it. I might not even agree. I don't know. But I can sometimes see these things. I sometimes can't. Hard today because we're watching on television. You played, and you look closer than I do at these things. Um, Did this feel as even as it looks on paper? Was it more of the same? Was it somewhere in the middle? I actually didn't think it was that bad. I think there were, you know, the occasional couple calls that were kind of make you say, huh? Uh, But you're getting that every game. I do think there was one stretch. We're going to get to a point that Huggins made in postgame that – Maybe on a second look, I, I I kind of agreed with as it was going on. Maybe on second look, I really agree with it. Um, but there was a point there where West Virginia got up 17-7. Um, Bill Self calls a timeout. The crowd is silent. West Virginia has all the momentum in the world. And then the refs call a foul on West Virginia on four straight Kansas possessions. Um mm. That was, and a couple of those, you know, and and I think it was the second foul early, semi-early in the first half on Gabe and Deuce McBride. So two guys that are your quote-unquote closers on on your closing five. And I feel like that that was killer. I I felt a couple of those were very questionable. And and again, really outside of that little stretch, it was just a couple calls here and there, but I wouldn't say officiating is what did West Virginia in today. So what did? Uh, poor defense, especially if you listen to Huggins in the postgame. I agreed with a lot. The big man defense was horrible, not in the traditional sense of defending the post or getting on the glass and rebounding, but coming out and defending the screens, stepping up and helping uh, hedging. It seemed like there were a lot of miscommunications between the guards and the big man on whether or not the big man was supposed to be hard hedging, coming up hard and, and blocking the 
ball handler from from getting around the screen or if he was supposed to open the gate so to speak and kind of sag off and let his man let his teammate get through um and we the result of that is when you're not up there when you, when there's a miscommunication you're going to get beat and then the guy that's on the back end the last line of defense has to step up and when he steps up the rim is wide open and we saw Kansas especially in the second half run that to perfection uh, I think it was four lobs for dunks, uh, maybe a couple others that were called for fouls on lobs, just a lot of plays for easy baskets that really helped a team that struggled to make open shots in the first half. And what happens, especially in conference play, when the defense knows the offense, um, possessions tend to get whittled down to ball screens and back cuts and things like that. Um, that's an ominous thing here because this is typical me. I've been working on a story about ball screen defense for a while and how they've kind of changed some things up. And I believe Huggins referenced it today. They're they're doing something new and unusual that you really don't see very much. Um, they won't tell me what it is. From what I understand, it has to do with strong hand offhand and raising your big up a little bit to help. But he's got to do certain things. And Shibway in particular, um, on a lot of these role plays, got caught in between. And I don't know what happened. He was floating in between where he didn't he wasn't stapled to the big who was cutting to the basket. But he also wasn't up on the ball to de- like to deter the pass. He was kind of floating. And if you come up and you give that driver room, you're not really doing anything or committed to anything. And I think at least three of the dunks that he was in on against Azubuke was just like that. And then sometimes even on the back cuts where it's a little bit inverted, but he's up higher than he should be on a ball screen. And then someone sneaks in the back door and gets a lob. And I think those are the ones you're talking about. Or maybe he got fouled or someone um, went to the line there too. But Kansas tends to do that. They find one or two things they can do, and they just kind of hammer and hammer away at it, and it really worked too. But, um, hey, let's not be negative here. Um, 60-53 to is not a pretty game, but, again, when we think about the game six nights ago, um, Ohio State, we said, you know, you don't want to repeat that script very often, and you wouldn't repeat that script very often and win. And it happened again today, not identically, but a lot of the same things, foul trouble in key spots, guys who just weren't effective, guards um, were probably the difference in between the two games, didn't really show up and perform today, but still stayed close. And then if not for some empty one-on-ones or some empty, you know, could have been a three-point plant, ends up being a, a one-for-two with a line, it's a close game. It could be even closer at the end. Um, grit is fine. Not necessarily at Kansas. Need a little bit more artistry to win this game, but not altogether discouraging. Now, if you're looking for a silver lining, look at everybody on the team today and how they played. And what, what do you got? You're, you're playing at number three Kansas in the toughest venue in the country, mm-hmm. and coming off a another big win. So you got to you got to stay up for a whole week, basically. And what does West Virginia get? One unreal just unreal half half from oscar and then nothing else from anybody i mean i'm trying not to you said let's not be negative but here i am saying that out of the 12 or the 11 guys that played so 22 halves of, of basketball here i'm saying west virginia got one unreal half from oscar shibway and nothing else and we're within three points with a minute left at number three, Kansas, in the toughest venue in the country. He is 17 and 17 today, six for 10 from the floor, five of nine at the line. Eh, not great. Um, and I want to say he had a great game, but I also want to 
discount a little bit because he had just two points in the second half and Azubuke really got going. And then he was complicit in some of the defensive trouble there too. So great game, but yeah, you're talking 22 halves, kind of hard to give him two marks there. Um, first half, terrific. Otherworldly looked like he was going to skip the rest of the year and go right to the lottery, that type of uh, level of performance. Second half came back down to earth a little bit too, but let me ask you this. Who else, who else had one or two good halves? Uh, that's what I'm saying. I think it might literally be one amazing half and then, what, 15 kind of C-minus halves and then, like, a handful of just horrendous halves? Like, I, you know, I don't think anybody can say one half of one game where they are a B or better, except for that one first half for Oscar. Not a great formula if you're going to try to try to beat Kansas over there and try to do that. And again, if if a couple of people show up for parts or the entire game, um, if you get a little bit more out of your bench or a little bit more out of your starting lineup, you probably win this game. And here's why. 60 points for Kansas is amazing at their place. It just doesn't happen. And it's the fewest points they've scored in a win since 2015. Hmm. So that's how special the defensive performance was. And I understand Kansas had some trouble shooting, too. Uh, not a not a up-to-par number for them. I believe they're number three in the country. She 51%. Uh, top 40, I think, in three-point, maybe top 50 in three-point percentage. They're three for 17. West Virginia does some good things to defend the perimeter, including how they handle screens, but really kind of leveled that out with their defensive performance today and made Kansas look normal. Um, I think I had, since West Virginia joined the Big 12, they had only – won four games with 60 or fewer points. One was today, so you did something rare. But more concerning is that the offensive struggle is more common. Um, Played great for about 15 minutes and then pretty bad for 25. Um, We're at a point now where we can kind of ask some questions, can't we? I would think so. This guy in the plan, does he need more minutes? Does he need fewer minutes? And I think I'm, I'm putting guys on the line of like above the line of people you like and you trust and guys below that line where you need to see more of. There's more now on that line below than I'm comfortable with offensively. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I mean, who who's above the line? Like, who's, who are you running plays for with this offense right now? It's a really good question. I'm not trying to let this one skew me, but I do feel like this is more of who they are than some of the infrequent outlier performances. If you Have you looked at Culver's numbers this year or Matthew's numbers this year? <laughs> yeah, not great. 
concerning. Um, Culver's not a, um, a high percentage shooter. Um, he's also a really hard player to officiate. It seems like too. It doesn't matter what venue or what league or whatever. The officials have a hard time. But um, I would say McBride. I trust. I think he's going to get points. He may require a lot of shots to do it. Shibway. I'd like to think Matthews, but I'm having a hard time there. I'd like to think Culver, but I'm having a hard time there. I can't put them below, but they're kind of sinking below right now. I want to run uh, the field goal attempts for Derek Culver in competitive games. Uh, I won't give a, an exact definition of what that is, but you know I'm not going to count, let's say, um, Austin P or or something like that, but one in six versus one for six versus Kansas, three of five for Ohio State. Uh, St. John's five of eight, not bad. Nine of seven, Rhode Island, but then three of seven, Wichita State. O of five, Northern Iowa. Uh, three of eight, Northern Colorado. As when he only played a half. I mean, this is at one in five against Pitt. Four of fifteen versus Akron. Um, he's his problem is, and he did it a lot today, and I. I I gave a little bit of credit to this, especially in the second half, to Bill Self for the adjustment they made or whoever on the staff called for this adjustment. But anytime either Oscar or Culver got the ball in the post, they were sending a second man over yeah. to double right away. And not not a, hey, show a little help and you know try to give the illusion of double team. It was drop everything you're doing and sprint to that spot to double the guy. I don't care where your man is. Uh, there was another time where uh, the Kansas defender, I believe it was Azbuke or maybe it was uh, D'Souza, literally left his man, whoever it was, I think it was Gabe, left his man right at the other block, a foot from the basket, wide open, and just sprinted right to Culver at the other short corner. And Culver panicked, turned over his right shoulder, lost the ball, turnover. Um, they were just going right after it. And I think Culver was Culver kind of panics when he gets the ball in the post, especially when teams start digging down, a guard starts digging down from the wing or they start doubling. He, he's either tries to make a move that he can't, that he's not capable of, or he starts to go into his shooting motion before he's ever even seen the rim, which logic tells you is, is not great. You're not going to hit a higher percentage of shots that you go up shooting without actually looking where you're shooting. So I think he needs to kind of calm down and simplify what he's doing in the post. Uh, he, he's a, he's at his best when it is a simple drop step, left hook. Um, and teams are kind of making him try to do something else. And right now he's struggling to find that. Agreed. He plays very fast. I think he is kind of um, battle scarred from how many fouls he's taken and, and how much contact he's absorbed and how many doubles he's seen through – this many games in his career and he just naturally plays fast and if he sees a double coming um i think he's a good passer he likes to think he's a good passer and he's trying to think about what he can do and he's just the perfect person to double team because he's going to do something and again he's hard to officiate like he got he got hacked a couple times today and nothing happened because i don't know how to describe it he's he's like herky jerky like there's all different things in motion at once and it's hard to tell and you can't give him the benefit of the doubt on everything i think some officials think there too so interesting um, interesting before- dilemma there before we move off the big man thing, I wanted to ask you this. I know it was a big discussion preseason, and we've kind of talked about it at varying points so far this year. But does the two does the twin towers look 
actually work. Did it work today? Like, I feel like Culver wasn't in when Sheboy started going nuts. Um, well, that's what I, I I went back and and checked. You know, this is simple plus minus, so there's obviously some, um, you know, that's not the end all stat here, but when it was Oscar and Gabe Osaboyan, you know, kind of playing the four, West Virginia was plus two. When it was just Oscar out there and like Jermaine Haley or Emmett Matthews kind of playing a, a quote unquote four. West Virginia was plus three. Mm. Uh, when it was Culver and Gabe out there, it was an even zero. But when Culver and Oscar, or just Culver, were out there, West Virginia was minus seven. Yeah. Um, I feel like there was a little bit of a game of chicken there where West Virginia kept throwing out Culver and Oscar together, trying to force Kansas into a too big look because their too big look is not as is not their best lineup i don't think i think it, they're at their best when garrett was playing the four or braun was playing the quote-unquote four again i'm just kind of talking about who let's say culver was guarding and when they were doing that they were taking advantage advantage of west virginia and getting past their man because culver or oscar and sometimes even gabe struggled to defend those guys is it braun or brown i don't know i'm saying th- i it it, it Hey man, it's spelled like my razor, so I'm gonna go brawn, but I could be mispronouncing that. So So I want to talk about him for a second. He played 30 minutes today and was really valuable. Yes. And I have no idea how because I've seen him play some games. Um he made a, he made a bunch of threes against Stanford last week. And I think that got him on the floor, but what I was watching and listening to during the game, and I watched him play Villanova. Um, so back to back, I got these performances in my ear was that it was kind of surprising and sudden that he was on the floor for so much. And I think it was fewer than 20 minutes there. Um, and, and they played some tomato cans before that, where he got some, some playing time. So he's playing more, but he had been somewhat of a liability and not a great offensive player, pretty much a standstill shooter. Um, I'm looking at his numbers now, nine for 18 from two, eight for, for 22 from three point range. Um, hadn't played more than 21 minutes. He played 30 today. And I thought was good defensively and just effective on offense. Didn't do anything to hurt him and made some impact plays and an offensive rebound and a missed free throw. Um, gathered a loose ball and scored for like a, in a big spot to keep the momentum going. And I didn't think he was going to be good defensively, especially against Haley and Matthews. And I don't know if he locked them up or if they just weren't assertive enough or whatever. But the way he played and the way that the response didn't appear at the level you expected from West Virginia's offensive players, I thought was a big part of the game because they got nothing out of that position today. So you're saying that, and I was thinking to myself, I don't hardly remember Haley and Matthews even shooting. I was thinking they just were absent, but they shot 13 times today. I don't remember that, but two of 13 between the two of them with uh, more turnovers, a combined three than made shots. In 51 combined minutes. Yikes. I I guess they were non-factors today. And I don't know what it was because, honestly, I was thinking to myself as you were talking, I just felt like they weren't really involved in the offense. That I felt it was either the point guard or they were trying to get it down low. And and Haley Matthews kind of stood off to the side and weren't really driving or kicking or shooting. But obviously they were. They they got 13 shots up. And I, I apparently missed some of them or all of them. 
Haley just kind of is what he is, and I'm okay with his game being what it is. Like, there will be times, and I thought he had good spots today where he took the ball out of the basket or he, he grabbed a rebound and went the other way. And maybe there was, I don't think he scored actually, but maybe he got some second chance baskets for Shibway or somebody. Eh, you're going to get that from him. I think he's a smart player and he knows what he can and can't do. I feel the same about Matthews. He's not the ball handler, he doesn't have the ball as much, but. One for eight today, two for eight against Ohio State, 0 for three against Youngstown. I mean, this is a pretty surprising two-week stretch for him. Um, he's had good games and he's had bad games. Um, I'm looking at six games and double figures, which now would mean seven games in single digits. Um, not the type of a trend you want here. And when he's good, he's good in a row. Back-to-back games, double figures three times, which means a lot of single ones in a row, too. And I just keep getting back to the fact that this is a team that's built around two forwards or trying to get the ball to the one of the forwards and is living and dying on guard play. And he's just floating around in the middle there to get him going, I think, is a key here because he's on there for a long time. And like his three point shooting has kind of vanished lately. Um, I have him over his last eight. Not good. Don't have to tell you that. Um, but he's such a swing guy because he can he can create and from outside in um he can post he can drive a little bit he can finish but it just seems like he's at a loss for confidence right now i don't know how you fix that one i don't either because i think at some point i feel like in the early years of huggins time here the non-conference schedule was kind of used for him to experiment with his lineups with his roster play 12 12 13 guys whatever it was and then once we got to conference play, it really narrowed down. Even when in the heyday of Press Virginia, the minutes kind of, the rotation tightened up a little bit. But I'm not sure where you're tightening. I know we keep coming back to this, like every time we podcast about basketball, uh, who's the eight, what's the eight? Mm. And it's an important question because you have to find the eight because at some point you're going to have to focus on the eight, I, I, I think, or at least, you know, maybe a solid six or seven with a couple guys rotating after that. And as you as you kind of alluded to there, or flat out said, I don't. I'm not sure there's an answer right now. Think about this too. Um, Sean McNeil had it going. He seemed to supplant Harler. Harler kind of took the conch back, and he was going for a little bit. Sherman makes a couple shots today and has the clutch minutes, and now maybe he's the guy. And then presumably that won't last long, and we'll be back again. And it's it's what you're talking about. It's what that we're, we're all thinking about too. There's just no continuity outside of the first five, and we've talked most of this episode here about the ups and downs of the starting five too. Um, it's a it's a kind of a volatile team that can run really hot and, and have good stretches against top teams. They just play so hard, and they have so many guys that will that it's going to be really hard to beat them badly. But they can run cold too, and and I want to point to the end of the first half as an example too, where. Um, 30-10, everything's going well, and then they make some subs, and it's McCabe, Harler, and McNeil on the floor with Culver, and eh, I'm not sure, maybe Yosaboyan. It was Yosaboyan. No, he was with two fouls, too. Let me see if I can find it. Um, but they go 0 for 7 to end the first half. The momentum is back on Kansas' side. You really don't want them having reason to feel good about themselves late in the half, and then at a halftime, because they can start sauntering around their gym which is what they did um yeah culver harler and mcneil enter and, and McNa- mccabe and uh Shibway were the other two yeah so like it's just a weird mix there in that backcourt because you have a bunch of guys who don't really shoot it very well um and that just seemed like it swung the game and i got candace back into it but i will say this before before we go and wrap it up 
I thought at stretches, it was the smartest and not coincidentally the best they had played. Um, they were doing really good stuff on ball screens on offense where McCabe was making good passes. And what seemed to me like they were trying to do was they were running play clock and Kansas seemed to automatically switch inside of maybe 10 seconds. And as soon as that happened, they were darting to the basket, West Virginia on a, on a dive and McCabe made some good passes and they got some dunks from different people and they had them spinning after a while. And next thing you know, they're, they're raised up in the high post and Seaway catches it and drives dunks. It looked all really good. Um, one really good play too. They sent a double to Sheboy. He passed it outside to, uh, Osaboyan, who drove left to right and then found Harler wide open for a three. Just really smart and heady stuff. And when we're talking about the bad stuff here, their ceiling exists, sure, but they can play at a high level too that, you know, can surprise teams. And when you see a second half like today, you can be surprised by how good and how efficient they can be sometimes too. So we discussed, you discussed that last few minutes of the first half mm -hmm. um, and about, you know, the combination of Harler and McNeil on the court at the same time, the two of them combined minus 29 and plus yeah. minus. I said this last time too, just from some personnel people I talked to is that McNeil, there, people wonder about him. Is he limited when he has the ball? What can he do with it? If he's wide open, he's good. Um, 0 for 3, 0 for 2 today. Um, beat his guy, didn't drive and finish, probably should have, and missed a 15-footer. Missed two threes, won badly. Um, and he was getting pressured a little bit too. And Harler didn't exactly drape himself in glory too. Um, at the end of that first half, he goes to the line with a chance to calm things down. And he misses two free throws, and that's not why he's in the game. Quite the opposite. And again, um, been exclamation points up to here? Question mark right now. Um, the good or bad news is is that they'll be doing this again <laughs> at nine o'clock on Monday night against a team that got spanked today on the road, but also has no home court advantage either. So no idea what to expect against Oklahoma State Monday. Well, yeah, that's a quick turnaround, and then what next week against Texas Tech, who suddenly. Destroyed Oklahoma State today. Just destroyed they, them in the second half. Okay. I was, I was about to say I didn't know what they did today, but they've been on a little bit of a streak today. Creep back into the top 25, I think, uh, at, at last check. After a rough start to the year, um, they've won five in a row now, sitting in the top 25. Pretty so, good team. Yep. Well, Chris, I said the same for us. <laughs> We were uh, getting ready for conference play, and I think we, uh, I think we pulled it off today. We were able to hold on to the ten point lead and, and get to the buzzer with the, the score on our side here. Without me taking some digs at you, I got a lot of them. All right, I'm going to continue to stay on the high road here. My New Year's resolution, not being petty about things like this, but that is all for this time. I will see you next time for 24/7 Sports. I'm Mike Casaza, and I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.